This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. Baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, my co-host Josh Schaefer for a very fun late night edition of Inside the Ravine. Josh, whenever we record these, it's right at noon. You're at the you're at the office. You're in beautiful Ontario, but tonight we're at our you know our apartments. It's very dark outside, even though uh, you know because of the whole clock and time change, which I hate. But it is 7.30 tonight. Things are going to get a little, a little fun here on a Whoa. very late edition of Inside the Ravine. So you looking forward to this? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. We always do these either at noon when I am when I get some time at work or early in the morning on a weekend. So I'm looking forward to this. But, Blake, I do actually have one thing um, to, to ask you um, before we yes. get going. Um, so it's, yeah, so it's like 7 o'clock when we're recording this. What is... What's today's date that we're recording on? Uh, Josh, my Mac, my MacBook says November 6th. November 6th. Okay, cool. Um, do you know what day Christmas is? Yeah, Christmas is, uh, I believe, December 25th. At least yeah, that's when okay. we celebrate in Monrovia. Oh, okay. So that's what you celebrate in, in Monrovia. But it's interesting that you say that because at your apartment, which is in Monrovia, which is where you are right now, there is a Christmas tree up behind mm-hmm. you that's lit. It is literally decorated is. and lit. I can see it. Josh, I can't confirm it's lit. It is decorated. The lights are on. It's a little crooked. I tried moving it yesterday and I kind of messed up a little, so it's a little crooked. But yeah, Josh, the tree is up. The lights are up. Another tree is up over there. Another uh, tree? Another tree. I have a sports tree with a bunch of sports ornaments. That's kind of cute. Yeah, but it's, you are, it's a pretty sick so tree. So just to confirm, though, I just you know I just want to confirm. Um, we, you and I both agree that today's date, as of this recording, is November sixth. That is correct. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So, and we also agree that this is the first full week of November. So Thanksgiving has not even happened yet. Correct. Yeah. Thanks. Thanksgiving, I think, is two weeks from this upcoming Thursday. And Josh, mm-hmm. I have even better news. Uh, oh no. Yes. Oh, we've I, also saw, begun. I saw. I saw your. I saw your tweet. Yeah. I saw your yeah. tweet. We all saw yeah. the tweet, Blake. Yeah, everyone saw the tweet tonight. My girlfriend and I we were out in Pasadena, running an errand for one of her friends, and uh, the Christmas music was blasting. Did you guys the Christmas, see any Christmas music was blasting? While you were, did you see any Christmas oh, lights while you were out? Plenty. A good plenty. Am- actually not a good amount. A couple houses. A couple like houses a already started decorating. But yeah, Josh, there, do you think there would be more houses decorated if it wasn't November sixth? I think there would be a few more. Now, I will say this, Josh, because I know the tweet got some backlash. It was kind of 50-50. I used to be a Black Friday is when you can officially begin celebrating Christmas. I was raised like that. That's how I, you know, that's that was my lifestyle. 
But, you know, my girlfriend, she prefers celebrating Christmas a little bit early. And even when I, I learned of this whole early November thing, I was against it. But then, you know, once you move in, and as a lot of the guys out there listening probably know, the girlfriend gets the final say with a lot of things. So, mm-hmm. a few years ago, I said, all right, start putting it up, whatever, that's fine. And I must say, Josh, I do like it. I do love celebrating early because you're just happier more. The tunes, the lights, all of this, I realize... You know, Black Friday, you got to put everything up. You only get like a four-week stretch of it, maybe a five-week stretch. I get this for eight to nine weeks. I think it's fantastic. So I know change could be scary. You may fear going to the other side. But once you make the switch, once you make the switch, there's no going back. It's almost like a cult in a way. It's like It I've been sounds like you were describing something that's not getting in the Christmas spirit. All right. <laughs> now, Josh, I will say also, you want to come at me. What is worse, me having my Christmas decorations up? Or are you going to see the Taylor Swift movie? Josh, I feel like this needs to be discussed more. All right. Let, all right. Uh, were you going to ask more, you know, condescending questions like I did? Or did you just want me to respond? No, I just wanted I just wanted an answer as to why you saw the Taylor Swift movie. Well, I let, let, let's well, let's take it back to about this point a year ago. <laughs> okay. That's where the story truly begins, Blake. And it's that uh, my girlfriend, who is a is a big Taylor Swift fan, she's not she's a big Taylor Swift fan. I would say that she's a Swifty. Um, here's this going to be bad. Um, there's a friendship bracelet sitting on the desk right here. Um, I don't know if you know what that's about, but uh, if you know, you know. Um, and it is right here. There is one on the desk. Um, because uh, I also, uh, as a joke, we dressed up as uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey for Halloween. But the bit was that I was Taylor and she was Travis Kelsey. So we went to a party and someone was dressed in the exact same costume as me and they gave me this. So I will cherish it forever. My girlfriend's a big Taylor Swift fan. She's going to go to the concert. And she was like, do you want me to go with me? It's okay if you say no. And I was like, look, like, I just don't want to spend that money, but I would like to help you go if you wanted to bring friends, you know, whatever. So she gets tickets to the last L.A. show. She goes with a friend. They have a great time. A year after she got the tickets, right? So. By the time it's time for her to go to this concert, I have now seen this tour go throughout the ether and throughout the country and everyone's going crazy about this tour. And I was never a big Taylor Swift fan. There are some songs that like, I like um, others that like, I'm not a huge fan of, but she's a good, she's a good writer. She's a good singer. Like she's a good artist. And uh, I was like, yeah, I don't really want to go. Well, by the time this concert came around, I was like, man, like this is the first time my girlfriend who's a fan is going to see her in concert. Like I wish I was going with her, but now it's too late. So I felt bad. And I was like, well, we'll see the movie and we do have plans to go in the future. But let me tell you this, Blake, to sit in a theater and watch a concert that I was not at for three hours. It's a little long. I'm not going to lie. It's a little long. What I will say is holy cow, this girl puts on a show, man. Absolutely insane show. Dude, my my butt is sore, my legs are tired, and I'm sitting there watching this thing. I sat through Oppenheimer too, man. I have been through it sitting <laughs> in a theater. And this girl did that on stage for three for over three hours. Absolutely insane. And I, I absolutely would spend the money to go see her in concert just to say that I've done it. I'm not the biggest fan. I would get into it for sure if we went. But uh, 
Yeah, I sat through the three-hour Taylor Swift movie. Long story short. <laughs> okay, so when this show ends, I'll I'll post it. Then I'm going to drive down to your place. I'll meet you on the street, and <laughs> you'll hand me your man card. I will then be on my way, and you'll go back up to your apartment. But hey, I'm glad you got to see it, man. Unfortunately, though, I have not seen it. Now, I do have a movie theater down the street in which I got a pass for the entire year. Wow. All you can see movies, $100. I've seen 43 movies. Last night was the 43rd movie I've seen this year. Holy! I could see. That's I could insane. See, I could see that's any movie, insane. Josh, for free, but I have not seen that one, and I probably won't be. Is your girlfriend a Taylor Swift fan? She is not. Really? Quite uh, the opposite, I think you 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 would say. Oh, uh, 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 not a Swifty, a Swift. She's she's a uh, Jake Gyllenhaal fan. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, we love. Hey, is she a big Prince Jake of Jill Persia Hall. fan? Objectively, a bad seen, film. I don't. I don't think anyone's seen that movie. <laughs> I don't think anyone has seen that movie. But we love Jake Gyllenhaal at the Chateau. I believe he's inside her top five of uh, her most attractive uh, male celebrity crushes. He's in the top okay, five. Okay, so I believe. here's okay. Follow up question, and now we'll okay. start looping in the Los Angeles Dodgers and this podcast. Does Casey Blake, is he considered one of those top five celebrities? I don't think he is. So yeah, for okay. those new listeners out there, my girlfriend has the most random favorite Dodger of all time in Casey Blake. One, because he's a good looking man. I love that. Great number 23, her favorite number, last name Blake. You can't go wrong there. She has a custom Casey Blake jersey. Phenomenal beard, probably the best beard in Dodgers history. But I don't think, Josh, I think this is like more actors and everything so i think she has her own like sports ones i know it includes like joey gallo's in there joe kelly's in there casey blake uh, a couple others like that i think she has her own baseball player tier but yeah the main one like the real top five where if you crack the top five or the top ten it's a big deal that's mainly actors you're okay but you're real top five best dodgers beard of all time it's a good beard I mean, it's an it's okay, perfect beard. it's nothing, cra no, it is, it's, it's, it's like a tight beard, you know, it's short. Yeah. It's not, ah, uh, that's a good photo, actually. Now that I'm seeing one, it's nothing man, crazy, we really, I mean, man. it's not Brian Wilson. No, that's, that was unlike anything I've ever seen, but, man, <laughs> so, to recap this, Josh, because we're now 10 minutes in, and we have not even d dissected a single thing of news yet, so we have hit <laughs> uh, Casey Blake's incredible beard, Jake Gyllenhaal, Taylor Swift, my Christmas decorations. There was some other stuff back then, but that was 10 minutes ago. I can't even remember what we started with. So I guess we should try to venture into like Dodger stuff, unless we can just keep this going because, hey, I got no problem with talking about my tree, my beautiful lights. There's lights on the balcony too, Josh, by the way. I didn't I didn't light those tonight, but the balcony is ready to go as well. It's a small balcony, but we just cleared some space on it the other day when we were, you know, getting all the Christmas stuff out, but... It, it serves its purpose. I know, you know we always do this show virtually, but I have been to your apartment many times, and I feel like I have never noticed that you have a balcony. Yeah, well, next time you're over here, Josh, you could you can go on the balcony. So cool. let, let us transition, because we have a jam-packed show that it's going to get even longer because we spent 10 <laughs> minutes talking about Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal and Oppenheimer, which, by the way, Josh, also you talked about sitting through Oppenheimer and Taylor Swift for three hours. Uh have you seen the new Leo movie, Killers of the Flower Moon? Because that no, movie clocks in at just under three and a half hours. That wow. one you better brace for impact. Uh, it's a great, it's a great movie, 
But three and a half hours, we saw it like in the Dolby theaters. We had the nice seats and everything, but that, that's a tough one. Yeah. But, for, but for my girlfriend, it wasn't a big deal because Leo's her number one. That's the love of her life. So when he gets to look at Leonardo DiCaprio for three and a half hours, yeah, you know, it could be worse. It yeah, could be not. worse. So, so at least you got that. He, he's an attractive man. All right, Josh, before I lose my train of thought again, today's episode, we have a lot to cover because it's been a couple of weeks since our last episode. The Dodgers made a lot of decisions on player options. We're going to get to those. Some very interesting news surrounding Clayton Kershaw that dropped last week that I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on. And also, Josh, this is the portion I'm looking forward to the most. Later in the show, the both of us are magically becoming the GMs of the Dodgers. And oh, we're going to yeah. share our plan. We're going to share our plan for what we're doing this offseason, what the more important things to do are. They could be the same things. They could be different things. That's why we're co-GMs, so we can kind of run our ideas off each other. So all that coming on today's episode, make sure you guys find us on social media at Inside the Ravine. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube. You guys can find us over there. You guys can also listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. And of course, we're on the Odyssey app. All right, Josh, let us begin. Let's kick things off with the Clayton Kershaw news, because this is the biggest news I think that we've gotten Initially, when I saw this, because Clayton Kershaw posted on Instagram, I thought it was his retirement post. I thought, just based off the photo, based on everything, I thought Clayton Kershaw was announcing his retirement. It wasn't that. I, I guess this is somewhat better news because he isn't he hasn't retired officially, but Clayton Kershaw announced last week he underwent a surgical procedure to repair the glenohumeral ligaments and capsule of my left shoulder. Josh, we went to ASU. Uh, have you heard these words before? Can you point out where exactly those parts are on your body? I don't think it matters where I went to school. I didn't major in whatever that <laughs> is. So, so no, right. It's gonna so, it's gonna be in this area. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere below, somewhere below he said the shoulder, face, right? Shoulder. So, so Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, it's in the shoulder. There you go. Somewhere in the shoulder. So he undergoes surgery on the shoulder, which I guess is good news because. This pretty much confirms that Clayton Kershaw didn't just fall off in the second half. He was dealing with this injury that a lot of us kind of expected. So I guess that's somewhat good news. I believe this is the first like actual surgery that Clayton Kershaw has ever underwent in his entire career. So it is a little bit scary, especially, you know, in year 17 undergoing something like this. But again, I guess it is positive news that it just confirms that he was struggling because he was in a lot of pain. But Josh, that's not even my biggest takeaway from this. Not the fact that Clayton Kershaw is undergoing this surgery. Because if you scroll down a little in the post, he ends it with, I am hopeful to return to play at some point next summer. So if you're Clayton Kershaw and you were kind of pretty much set on retiring, why would you undergo this intense surgery? You, you wouldn't have to. By saying, I hope to return to play next summer, that pretty much reads to me, he's going to be back now, whether or not it's with the Dodgers, whether or not it's with the Rangers, I guess that remains to be seen, but I think Clayton Kershaw kind of low key just said, Hey, I'm going to be back next year. At, le at least that was my takeaway from this. Yeah. That's what it kind of seemed like. Um, that's basically the way that I took it is that he's going to be back for another year. And I, I feel like, again, I don't want to speculate too much, but for me, this is not a post that needs to be made if he's retiring, right? And even if he's not sure yet, the fact that he states, I'm hoping to be ready to go by summer is also 
not something you would say if you plan on retiring. So right. to me, it makes it sound like he's coming back. And again, the way that he states this is not like, oh, you know, we're going to see what happens and see where I end up. Like, it's like, a, I will be back. I, my intention is to be back X, Y, Z at yeah. this point next year. So it's like, for me, that makes it sound like not only does he intend to be back, but to me, it kind of implies that he intends to be a Dodger. Yeah. I mean, obviously, again, he could choose to retire and his decision we won't know for some time. But when I saw this, I'm thinking, again, one, that's how you worded it, too. Why would you undergo this intense surgery with this intense recovery period if you're just going to retire? There'd be no need for that. So hopefully that's the case. And Josh, if if Clayton Kershaw is back, this actually benefits the Dodgers in a way, because if he's not going to be back till at least next summer, there's also not a guarantee that he even pitches next year based on how the recovery is going to go. Clayton Kershaw, I think, made $20 million this past season after all the bonuses and everything. If he would have been fully healthy, he probably could have gotten something close to that range again. I can't see him making anything more than like five, six million just because his uncertainty of next year, he might be out more than half the year, he might not pitch. So this could benefit the Dodgers where they need a lot of money to spend this offseason. Maybe they could work out a contract with Kershaw where it's like, again, a base of three or four million, then maybe add some incentives on it where it can take it up a little. But you're potentially saving 15, 10 to 15 million with this Kershaw contract where every dollar is going to be valuable. So if Kershaw comes back, that's a huge bonus for the Dodgers. But if you're getting him back at a 50, 60, 75% discount, I mean, that again, it sucks that he's having to undergo this surgery and he's going to miss half the year. But that'd be an absolute bargain for the Dodgers if, if that's the case. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. If you can get him on a one year as a bargain, I see absolutely no reason why you wouldn't do that, even if he's only going to be there for half a season. Yeah. So again, we'll, we'll see. We don't know what his decision is, but I, I would assume because of this, he's leaning towards coming back. One can only hope, but Josh, there were already a lot of uncertainties with the Dodgers starting rotation next year. We kind of talked about the question marks and how Clayton Kershaw may or may not be there. Well, the Kershaw officially missing half the year. I think that just shows they really need to head home on starting pitching, which we'll probably get to later in the episode when we become general managers of the general managers of the Los Angeles Dodgers. But that Kershaw news was big. Like I said, I'm glad it's not a retirement post. It'll be interesting to see if he decides to come back, if it's with the Dodgers. If it's with the Rangers, Josh, I know we kind of really didn't talk about the whole World Series thing, but I know Clayton Kershaw's been kind of rumored to be going to the Rangers the last couple of years. Now that the Rangers have won the World Series, they have a number of great pitchers in their starting rotation. Do you even think that the Rangers need or want an old kind of banged up Kershaw at this point anymore? I would say no, but again, they've got some guys who are also free agents. Um, obviously, uh, Jordan Montgomery is, is the biggest one, uh, another lefty. Um, but there's also a chance that they bring him back. So, um, I'm really not sure. Maybe if a guy like him leaves, then maybe they would go after somebody like Kershaw. But again, like you're, if you're the Rangers, I think it really depends on what your starting pitching outlook looks like. Because again, like we're talking, if Kershaw's ready to go by the trade deadline. We're talking about a team that likely is going to be very good again next year. Um, and again, you know, we said this on our last show, like the Rangers were a wild card team, but they were a wild card team that 
if they had won their last game of the season would have been a division champion would have been yeah. one of the favorites, right? Like it's kind of uh kind of a cop out to say that they were a wild card team, which of course they were, but yeah, they're a good wild card team. Um, so they're expected to be good again next year. They are going to be returning a lot of guys. There's no reason to expect why they wouldn't be good, but look like regardless of who they bring back, if they were to get a guy like Kershaw, that is an immediate boost to your starting rotation come the trade deadline. That's like acquiring somebody at the deadline. Yeah. If Kershaw's healthy and he comes in ready to go for the second half of the season in a playoff push, regardless of where you're at in the standings, that's going to be huge for a team like them. So maybe they do, but I think it depends on who they lose and who they bring back. And for me, for the Dodgers, it's a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. it's an absolute no-brainer, no second guess whatsoever bring back Clayton Kershaw on a deal that makes sense for you and for him, um, especially considering that he's going to be out for half of the season likely. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's interesting because now that the Rangers are good, it's like, do they, do they want him? Do they want to build the all injured rotation of Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw and Jacob deGrom? Who oh knows? My God. But I, 2014, <laughs> that would have been unbelievable. Yeah, it, it would have been insane. <laughs> so it, I think that'll be interesting. Because again, I know a lot of people have been talking about Dodgers, Rangers for the last couple of years, but now it's like, do the Rangers want him? Do the Rangers need him? Not that the Dodgers are going to be like bidding, you know, against themselves, but uh, I think he's back. Josh, is there any way that the Dodgers not only can get Clayton Kershaw back next year, can they get Corey Seager back? No, I would love that. There There's are not like a, a two year return policy or no, something. Unfortunately, like there's not like... a warranty on Corey no. Seager. What I will say is, um, I won't say what I would give up, but I did text you. I would give up yes. some things to get Corey Seager back. I would too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd under I'd so... undergo surgery. Interesting. Yeah, maybe Kidney? not Kershaw's surgery. No, oh, yeah, something. Where 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 is the surgery again? I don't know. Hey, kidney That's man, I don't. I, I don't think I need it, so I'll, I'll do it to get Corey Seager back. <laughs> Look, like, I, I am. I am. I am happy for him. Like I, I really yeah. am, and I'm. I'm glad that the Rangers won because, look, I, they had been around so much, and I think that like. Corey Seager is also a type of player that's not like a a former Dodger that you're like, oh man, it's gonna suck to see him win with somebody else. At least not for me. Like I, it didn't really bother me all that much. It was just like a yeah, would be nice if the Dodgers still had him. But um, the Rangers were also a team that I think maybe you can see the Dodgers in a little bit, having been so many times and never won. And uh, well, yeah. I mean, obviously the Dodgers have won a lot, but ha haven't won with the teams that they've had. So finally to be really good and then be awful for a few years and then come back and win. I think it's kind of cool for them. And obviously they would not have done it without Corey Seeker. I think the biggest thing, like the biggest reason why I don't just cry myself to sleep every night because of this Corey Seeker thing is because the Dodgers did make an attempt. I know there's a lot of Dodgers fans that for some reason think the Dodgers just didn't want him back. It's just, he wanted to go to be with the Rangers like, I'm sure the Rangers offered slightly more. I know there's the whole thing with, oh, the Dodgers would have had to offer this amount if you take out the taxes to equate to it. At the end of the day, whether you're giving him $275 million in California or $325 million in Texas, you're still a very rich man. I don't think that makes a difference. I think Corey Seager just wanted to change his scenery. He wanted to go to the Rangers. He liked what they were doing. So at least there's that. Because if it was like, as I'm sure a lot of people saw, the very first question he gets in his post game is, "So I gotta ask, man, 
why did the Dodgers let you go? What a question. Now, if, if for, yeah, for being the first question, what a set of balls to ask that for your first question. <laughs> but if like, if Corey Seager was like, hey man, I would have loved to go back to the Dodgers. They just never offered me a contract. Then it'd be like, okay, what time are we storming Dodger Stadium on Vince Scully Avenue? And what time are we taking down Friedman's office for not offering Corey? They wanted Corey back. He just didn't want to come back. So at least there's that. And like you said, Josh, I got no issue with, you know, the Rangers winning. It's their first ever World Series. If Corey Seager would have gone to like the Padres or the Giants and they would have won there, then obviously (laughs) we'd have issues. But with the Rangers, it is what it is. I got no beef with it. But yeah, Corey, oh man, this one hurts. This one hurts. And it's the fact that it's like every time he came up, you just knew. You just knew that the dude was either just going to hit a massive home run. He was going to draw a walk. He was going to get a hit. Like, the dude's just built for October. Joe Davis said he could tie it with one swing, and then he said it's tied. <laughs> in seconds. Literally. Yeah. Hey, Joe Davis had the script, man. Joe Davis had the script and said, hey, John Smoltz, watch this call. Yeah. So Corey Terrific Seager, series from uh, Joe, too. Yeah. Just as, on it. As per yeah. usual. Yeah. As per usual. Absolutely. All right. So Clayton Kershaw, Corey Seager, come back to the Dodgers next year, please. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the player options, the options that the Dodgers picked up and the options that the Dodgers declined. All right, Josh, we have a few of these to get to. We talked about this in our last episode. The Dodgers had decisions to make on six player options. They picked up two of them. They declined four of them. The most notable, and this one shouldn't come as a total surprise, is the fact that the Dodgers, I guess, technically didn't pick up the Max Muncy option because they like reworked his. So they had a decision to make on his option for 2024 that was worth $14 million, but they reworked it. So apparently Max Muncy now gets a $5 million signing bonus. He gets a salary of only $7 million for 2024. It goes up to $12 million in 2025, and there is a $10 million club option for 2026 with no buyout. So essentially, as long as Max Muncy doesn't completely fall off and forget how to hit, He's going to be a Dodger for the next three years. Now, Josh, surprisingly, a lot of people are really upset with the Dodgers bringing back Max Muncy. I know defensively, he's one of the worst third basemen in all of baseball. But Josh, this is a guy, and I even I posted this in my article. He is in some elite company. Last year in baseball, there were six players, Josh, that hit 36 home runs and drove in 105 runs. Max Muncy was one of them. As, well, as I always like to do, I'm going to throw some trivia your way. Would you like to take a guess as to the other five players, the ones that hit 36 home runs and drove in 105 runs in 2023? Six players and Muncy's one of them, so you just got to name five. Wait, also the home run total had to be that high? Yeah, so they had to have hit 36 home runs and driven in 105 runs this past year. Oh, God. Yeah, so six uh, players and Acuna. Muncy was one of them. Acuna's on there. Uh, Mookie. Mookie's on there. So that's three. So you just need three more. I, oh, so there's six. Okay. Um, uh, Shohei. Shohei did not crack the list. What What is he missing? Is he missing both? Or is he missing just the RBIs? Let me see. He's missing... I don't know if he's missing one or the both. Because I know he missed You know that final... Final month. Let's see. Shohei. He's missing the RBIs. He only he he hit 44 homers this year, 
The dude drove in 95 runs. Oh my gosh. How this is, is that ne- nobody ever on, Nobody's ever on base. That's true. Um, that's true. I'll give you a hint. Um, Matt Olson. Matt Olson, yeah, that's one of them, so you just need two more. I'm missing two. Um, God, who else is that high? Trout? See, the homer... Not Trout. See, it's it's the homer one that you would think would kind of help. It's just... People apparently just don't drive in runs like they used yeah, to. So that's like why this. They, that's why this list is so short. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like I can't. It's the I'll RBI. Give you a one, I'll give you okay. a hint. One of them is a uh, recent home run derby champion. Oh, Garcia. That actually Wait, no, is one. Win. Oh, is he, he actually win, one but of he's, them? He's, he's he's one of them. Who won this year? I don't even remember. I don't even remember uh, who won this year either. I know Juan Soto won last year. I'm drawing a blank for this year. It wasn't Julio, right? Julio did win. Was it Julio this year? Uh, In Seattle? Or did he get no, bounced? He got bounced. Who, who am I? Oh, no, it was Vlad Jr. this year. That's Vlad. Okay. Not Vlad. He won a couple no, years ago. I think, I think he won three in a row, I want to say. So, okay, so Garcia is one, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Pete Alonso. There you go. Pete Alonso. The Is that all there. of them? Did I do it? That's all of them. You got all six. Took some time, but we got there. So essentially, the, the moral of the story is Max Muncy is an elite company, and you're getting him for $7 million next year, $10 million the year after, and then I guess $12 million the year after that. He's taken a massive discount for a great, great bat, and I think this is a fantastic signing for the Dodgers. He even today, he was on, uh, I think, Fair Territory, and he was talking about, yeah, he knows that he's getting underpaid for his production, but he wanted to come back for the to the Dodgers, and he wanted to come back quickly, so they knew how much money they had to spend this offseason. So Muncy probably could have gotten close to $20 million with another team, but instead he's taking a, a massive team-friendly discount. And again, for the next three years, uh, that's, that's a bargain for the Dodgers. And I think that this move, obviously you want it to work out, but at least going into the offseason based off of what he's done in the past and based off of what he said about the deal, for Dodger fans, like, how can you not love this move? This is yeah. a guy who wants to be here. He wants to be a Dodger. He he knows that he's getting underpaid because he wants to be a Dodger. And he's getting underpaid because he wants the team to have enough money to go out and get more guys to be on the Dodgers with him. Like, that is such a sweet deal for the Dodgers. Um, and given yeah. his production, and look, I know that I know that even with that production, he hadn't been as consistent. In years or in these last two years, he wasn't as consistent as he had been in prior seasons and his All Star season. But this is a guy who hits big time home runs, who drove in a lot of runs, um, and it's going to be huge for the Dodgers going forward, especially if they add more pieces around him. Um, and that's going to be huge. And, and remember, he was one of three guys to hit or one of four players on the Dodgers this year to bring in over 100 RBIs. And at least as of right now. You've got three of those four back, and the only other one is J.D. Martinez. So the fact that you're bringing back essentially your three most, I don't want to say, I don't want to say your three biggest bats, but your three uh, probably most impactful bats in Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Max Muncy now, I think is a huge, huge get, especially for what you're getting Muncy for. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the production speaks for itself. I know people like to say, well, he's barely hitting above 200. But again, if you're in company with Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Olson, Pete Alonso, you're doing something right. 
you're doing something right. And the thing, Josh, my another big takeaway I have from this is if he does get the 2026 option picked up and he is here for three years, Max Muncy has a chance in three years to become number one on the all-time LA Dodgers home run leaderboard. He currently is number six right now with 175 home runs. He'll need to hit 96 home runs to pass Eric Harris, who currently sits atop the leaderboard with 270. So 96 in three years, Josh, I'm not even going to use a calculator for this, but my ASU math, if I crunch the numbers, that's Ooh. 32 homers a season, which if Max Muncy stays healthy, he can hit that number. So there's a chance when Max Muncy's contract is up, he could be the all-time leader in LA Dodgers history in home runs, which is absolutely insane considering they literally picked him off the street when he was let go by the Oakland A's. So hopefully for Muncy, he's able to get that. He has two more homers to go to tie Mike Piazza. He then has to get Matt Kemp, Steve Garvey, and Ron Say. So I think he'll get there. It's doable. I think he'll get there. I'm not going to check your math. So if you're wrong and somebody's out there doing the math, this ain't on me. I'm just going to take his word for it, guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it, it certainly sounds doable, which is crazy to think about. Um, if, like you said, you think back to when the Dodgers picked him up after he was let go by the A's. So again, a player that you got for nothing and years later, he is still in the running to become the franchise's all-time home runs leader. And also you're getting him for what you've, what you are when he could have easily gotten 20 million somewhere else. Right. Sweet deal. So fantastic. Great to have Muncie back. Great to have Muncie back. Another option was picked up Josh. Blake Trinan, uh, remember him? He had his option picked oh, up, yeah. and it looks like, according to multiple reports, it's going to be at a reported cost of a million bucks. So there you go, Josh. Blake Trinan is back. A million bucks. He didn't pitch at all in 2023. Barely pitched in 2022. I think only saw you know a handful of innings. This is a smart move for the Dodgers because when Blake Trinan is healthy, he's one of the better relievers in all of baseball. Is he going to be healthy next year? I'm not exactly certain, but for a million dollars only, if he isn't able to ramp back up, if he just sucks, if he doesn't have it anymore, you can say, well, thanks for your services, Blake. Uh, enjoy retirement. It costs us a million bucks. So for the Dodgers, I think this was a no-brainer. Yeah, easy. And we said this on the last episode too. It's like he's a guy that if you're, you're qualifying is not going to be all that bad. So you might as well just do yeah. it because he was good yeah. before he went out. He obviously hasn't really played at all, but it seems like a no-brainer. Bring him yeah. back, see what he's got, have faith in what he's got, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Yeah, and uh, like I said, only a million bucks for the Dodgers. They can afford that. So those are the only two options that were picked up. The Dodgers declined four other options. Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, Alex Reyes, and Daniel Hudson, they all had their options declined. Lance Lynn, his option was for $18 million. Thank you for your services. Enjoy wherever you play next. No chance that was going to get picked up. Alex Reyes had an option for $3 million. He didn't make it back this season. He missed the whole year with an injury. His buyout was only like $100,000. So Alex Reyes, uh, like with Cole Hamels and Danny Duffy, thank you for your Dodgers career. You didn't allow a run. Enjoy your next team. The Daniel Hudson one kind of sucks a little because I was hoping he'd get another chance. His option was for, I believe, $6.5 million. Maybe the Dodgers tried to bring him back on a cheaper deal, maybe with some incentives based on how many innings he's able to pitch. So hopefully Daniel Hudson comes back. And the final one, Joe Kelly. That was a big one, $9.5 But according to David Vasse, 
Joe Kelly wants to return to the Dodgers. And I believe Joe Kelly on a podcast a couple weeks ago said pretty much, like, I'm fine if I were to retire now. I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish. Ideally, I want to stay local and pitch. Considering he lives in Rancho Cucamonga, it sounds like he's only going to pitch for the Angels or the Dodgers. So his option wasn't picked up, Josh, but it sounds like Joe Kelly might be back with a cheaper deal. Yeah, I I really would not be shocked if Joe Kelly is offered a cheaper deal because it seems like he would be okay with that. Again, like like you said, Angels or Dodgers, I see him fit with the Angels too. And yeah. if he goes that route, good for him. Like, But I could totally see that happen. The one other thing that I'll say too is I could see the same thing happen for Reyes. I, I really could see the Dodgers try to bring this guy back because again, he it, with throughout his career, he's been a really good reliever too. Um, he was an all-star like, and he didn't, yeah. get, didn't get to play with the Dodgers. It was a cheap option. Maybe the Dodgers offer him an even cheaper deal. That's team friendly. That works out for him in the end. I could see both of these guys still receive an offer from the Dodgers. I don't know if it's going to be both. I don't know if it's going to be one of the two, but I could see it happen for either of them, especially Joe Kelly. Yeah. Again, the Alex Reyes one, like I said, with Daniel Hudson, maybe like with incentives, Joe Kelly, nine and a half million is a lot, but maybe they bring him back for five million. You know, he's taken a bit of a discount, but that's still a hefty payday. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully those guys are back because the Dodgers could really get a, a deep bullpen if they bring back some of those guys. So as of right now, the 40 man roster currently sits at 35. But again, there's those rule five decisions that have to come in the coming weeks. They'll probably add two, maybe three players. And then free agency. I mean, free agency is officially open, Josh. So Dodgers, if they wanted, they could sign players as we speak. So five spots currently available on the 40 man roster. But Josh, now we're going to have fun with it because we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, you and I are just magically becoming general managers of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Brandon Gomes, uh, Andrew Freeman. They're off. They're uh, working the hot dog stands now. Let's try not to mess this up. We're making the calls. We're going to lay out our master plan, what we're doing if we're in charge of the Dodgers, how we're approaching this offseason. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to those plans. All right, Josh, we are back. It's time to have some fun now. We just became GMs of the Dodgers. We are in charge. We control the fate and destiny of the Los Angeles Dodgers. We make all of the moves. I have a wish list. I have a master plan of seven things I'm going to be doing as GM. It's it's a whole lot. I originally thought I was going to have three to four, but then I kept writing these things down and I'm like, why stop there? I'm the GM. I can do whatever <laughs> I want. Let me just keep on adding things. So I got seven things. Again, I, I'm sure we might have some things that are the same. We might have some differing opinions, but uh, do you want to uh, take things away and tell me what the first thing you're doing is as GM? Well, let me let me ask you a question. When you say things, okay, are do you mean players? Like, are you going? Are, are you getting seven players, or are you doing seven actions? There are seven 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 items on the agenda that you need to accomplish. Seven items that all involve. A certain player, perhaps. So seven new players coming in. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying these are seven different things we will do to get Shohei Otani. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that okay. actually is what it could have been. But yeah, no, seven different moves involving different uh different players. So I'll, I'll let you go first. I, I have a feeling our number one top priority might be the same. But hey, man, if, I think our top two it, are going to be the same. If, if your number one task is to uh, lower the price of Dodger dogs and parking, hey, 
go for it, man. You can, you can have that as your number one, but I will just say this. First of all, if I was the GM, I couldn't lower the parking. I believe that's still Papa Frank's call. Yeah. Um, what a which genius. Ge- genius, by the way, <laughs> just a genius absolute move. legendary move by Frank McCourt. Um, for those who don't know, um, I'm pretty sure Frank McCourt still owns the parking lots yeah. and like, that's it. <laughs> so he can just charge what he wants. Um, genius. Um, with that being said, 30 bucks for parking seems outrageous. I used to be annoyed with that. And then I went other places and it ain't that bad. Um, have you been to universal city walk anytime recently? Um, no, I can't say that I I have been a number of times, but not recently. I think it's, I haven't been there in like a year or two. I think it's like 40 something bucks now. Really? So, Hey, Dodger stadium ain't that bad. (laughs) Dodger stadium is not that bad. Also for any Dodger fans that have done the San Francisco trips, that is outrageous. It's like 60 bucks. 60 bucks to park within like a 10 block radius. If you want to get anywhere near the ballpark, parking could be $150. Like it's, it's that crazy. I have never, I will never complain about the Otter stadium parking again. I went and parked six blocks away and paid 50 bucks in some sketchy garage. So yeah, I will never complain again for a regulated parking price of $30 flat. Anyway, um, I'm going mostly the free agent route. All right. And these are a handful of, I don't, I, I kind of just have them laid out. I don't know if it's seven, but these are, <laughs> these are a few different things that I would like to see the Dodgers accomplish this year in free agency. Um, one of them was to bring back Max Muncie and they did that. Um, and I'm going to exclude Kershaw from the list. I, I, I wanted to prioritize him back. Some of these are also depend on other things on this list, other players on this list. So these are basically a handful of different options that I think are available for the Dodgers. Step one is likely not going to be the first move that the Dodgers make this offseason after the Max Muncy move. But for me, it's the most important. And I know that the money and the funds in- involved in this particular player are going to affect everything else. And that obviously is to go out and get Shohei Otani. I think Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball. I think he is the perfect fit for this franchise. I know that we're looking at a guy who's likely not going to pitch this year that will not be a part of the Dodgers starting rotation this year. Um, And that does not solve the Dodgers starting rotation issues with a guy like Kershaw out, May out, whatever's up with Gonsolin, uh, Walker Bueller, you know, now losing Julio Urias too. And for good reason, but Now the Dodgers need starting pitching and Shohei doesn't immediately solve that. I don't care. And I know that nobody else does either. Shohei Otani should be the number one priority for not just the Dodgers, but not just the angels, but the giants and the Padres and the Mets and the Yankees and every other team in baseball. So I think if the Dodgers can go out and secure Shohei Otani, you have immediately the best bat in your lineup. And that's saying something when you've got guys like Mookie Betts and Will Smith and Freddie Freeman and Max Muncy to go along with them. And there is your everyday designated hitter. Um, and that's priority number one. Yeah, Josh, that's that's the same for me. Signed Shohei number one. I'm, I'm still a little hesitant to give him a deal north of 500 million just because of the uncertainty surrounding him potentially pitching in the future. We know he's likely not going to pitch next year. In 2025, how effective and good will he be? 
you know, and if you're paying that kind of money for just a DH, that's a little bit risky, but this is, you can make the case, the best hitter in all of baseball. I mean, Josh, earlier when we talked about him briefly, he had 44 home runs last season and he missed nearly 30 games. Like if he would have played 160 games, he would have hit 55, maybe 60 home runs. We know what he does offensively. We know the star power that he brings. And if you add that bat to the middle of the Dodgers lineup, they could use another bat. And I, I think you got to do whatever you can to get this guy because he's a once in a generation kind of player. And if you can bring him, if you can afford him, which the Dodgers can, you got to sign him. And uh, again, it, I'm sure the bidding's going to be high. Whatever the final contract is, it's going to be a little too much that I'd be comfortable with. But hey, Josh, it's not our money. I know we're the GMs, but we're not paying. That's the owner's yeah. job. We just got to sign him. I'll say something else, too. The team that lands Shohei is immediately vaulting up the World Series favorite list, if not being number one. If the Dodgers land Shohei Otani, they will obviously be the favorites to win the World Series. And I think yeah. if the Rangers landed him, he would be. If the uh, anybody. If yeah. they land Shohei Otani, you are probably going to be the favorites to win. If it's any of the, if it's any of maybe the top seven or eight, like those teams that were expected to go deep in the playoffs or expected to be good in, in at the start of next season and are expected to make a splash in free agency this offseason. So sorry, Angels, but if he stays, the Angels aren't the favorite to win the World Series. You get what I mean. Yeah. But if you insert him into this Dodgers lineup, it goes without saying they'd be the favorites to win the World Series. But you look at the lineup of Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Max Muncy, uh, James Outman, whoever those other players are. But if you have Shohei Otani as your designated hitter, without a doubt, there are no questions asked. That's the best lineup in baseball. And we yeah. and I accept that it doesn't matter who those other two or three bats are in the lineup. Like that is, without a doubt, the best lineup in baseball. So that's how important I think it is to make a legitimate push for Shohei Otani. I will say, I think you're right. I'm hesitant to give him 500 million if he's not going to pitch and you don't know what he's going to be, but you're right. There is, there is likely a team. I don't know if the Mets have that money, but the Mets have been one of those teams in the past to throw absolutely everything at a guy like they did to Max Scherzer. We both on this show said the Dodgers should get Max Scherzer back. Saw what the Mets offered and said, I hope you have a great time, Max. <laughs> We're good. good luck to you. Wishing you We're all good. the best. But like, there is going to be a team that does that. And honestly, yeah. at that point, I think it's out of the Dodgers' hands. It's out of our hands right here. Like, if Shohei wants to play for a winning team, he's going to have to take a smart deal. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve that, but I think that it's okay if the Dodgers and other teams are hesitant to go with that much money if he's not going to pitch. But... He's a generational talent. He's the best hitter in baseball. You got to get this guy. What are the odds that the Padres offer him like 600 million? Very high. Just, very high. Very are they going to have to take out another loan? I could I could totally see that. They're going to have to ask I, for you know, public donations from they, every they season ticket weren't. holder. They said they were, yeah, they're going to raise season ticket costs by 150%. But yeah, I, they, they said that they wanted to trim their their current mark by quite a bit. I, but I could see it. Um, I think there was. I saw this on Twitter, Josh. Again, I I like saw someone did a screenshot. I think it was from Bob Nightingale, and he wrote again. I I have to I I'd, I'd have to read the article, but I think it said something along the lines of the Padres are interested in trading Sander Bogarts and potentially Fernando Tatis. So they could free up money to try and sign Shohei. And I'm thinking, if this is not the most Padres thing I've ever heard, 
They'd be the angels. I don't know what is. If they did that, they would be the angels, where they would give up two generational talents. Like, Fernando Tatis Jr. is a generational player. He's not Shohei. He's not Shohei. And he is he's one of the best players in baseball. But again, I think I've got, like, a top three of, like, or maybe it's like Shohei, Trout, Mookie's up there, Acuna. And I'm not putting Tatis up there yet, but he's a top 10, like, hitter in baseball, right? But if they give yeah. up these guys, they are the angels. They're going to end up with so two funny. insane players in the lineup and not much else. Like, And they'd probably have to trade prospects to get rid of yeah. those contracts. Hey, the Padres want to do that. Uh, Josh, my final thing on Shohei, every article I read, every, it seems like, reporter that talks about it, they all say the same thing, and it's that the Dodgers are the favorites. Does that kind of worry you at all? That every single person is saying it's going to be the Dodgers? Because I feel now it's like, what it was like a couple years ago when we went through this and everyone thought he was going to go to the Mariners. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, the angels come swooping in. Cause I feel like, again, I've only heard the Dodgers. I've heard, okay, maybe the giants, maybe the Rangers, maybe they get involved, but it's like, everyone thinks he's going to the Dodgers. And that's, that scares me because they're setting us up for the ultimate heartbreak. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I think, trying to look at it objectively i do think the dodgers are probably the best fit they've got the money to do it i mean well i mean do they but yes yes the dodgers can afford it likely the dodgers maybe can't afford it but they will afford it right yeah that's what they do the dodgers will be able to afford it and he fits in the lineup he doesn't have to move if he doesn't want to yeah he gets to wherever he lives he he wants to to stay there he wants to win like and he needs to he needs to be in a position to win and the Dodgers are going to give him that immediate option to win. And the way that I look at this is like, even, even the MLB gives their little like projections, right? And the teams that they've got list, hang on, let me pull it back up. The teams that they have as being like a good fit are. Okay. Where is it? The angels. He's not going to win there. Like it's going to be another year of what it was. Like I I've got nothing against the angels, but it's just not, it's not going to happen yet. If they go out and get more pieces, sure, but it's not going to happen yet. The Giants, likely not going to happen there either, at least not yet. The Mets, I don't see it yet. The Mariners, you know, they're going to be better, but are they going to be a legitimate favorite? I don't think so. Like, I think the Dodgers, out of the teams that they say are a decent fit, the Dodgers are the only team where he's going to go and immediately have a chance to win. And it's nothing against any of these other teams because obviously they can make a bunch of other offseason moves as well and build a really good lineup. It's entirely possible. But if the season started tomorrow and Shohei signed with the Dodgers and the Dodgers threw out whatever lineup they had tomorrow, the Dodgers would give him the best opportunity to win. And that's why I think that they are the legitimate favorite. But you never know. I'm not saying I'm worried, but I'm not going to be. I'm not sold on it. I'm not. That's all I'll say. I'm just very interested to see when the signing happens because I feel like it's at the point where obviously he's going to have, I'm sure meetings and conversations in like the coming weeks, but he has to have an idea at this point, what he wants. Like, obviously again, you want to hear what the Dodgers have to say, want to hear what the Rangers have to say, but he has to have an understanding. So I'm interested to see if like it happens before Thanksgiving, does this drag towards the middle of December? Does this go towards January? I'm interested to see how far it goes. So that's number one for me, Josh. That's number one for you. We're the GMs. We're going to make this happen. I have a number two that becomes the clear-cut number. 
that becomes the clear cut number one. If for some reason you strike out on Shohei, would you like me to? Uh, would you like me to share this one? Yes, you you go first now. We'll alter. All right. So if if you strike out on Shohei, if you don't get him, then you do whatever you can to get Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who is considered to be by many the best pitching prospect or player you can make the case to ever come from Japan. This dude just won the Cy Young down there in Japan. I believe he's won, I think, like three years in a row. His numbers are absolutely insane. We saw him pitch for Team, team Japan earlier this year in the WBC. This guy is an absolute ace. He's a front-of-the-line starter. The Dodgers need starting pitching. Josh, we talked about that earlier with the Kershaw news. And you're getting an absolute ace, who I think is still fairly, fairly young. He's 25. I think he's, yeah, he's 25. So you're getting him right as he's getting ready to enter his prime. I've seen a, d- a couple of different contract numbers thrown out there. I've seen 200 plus million. I've seen 150 million. I don't care what it is, especially if you don't get Shohei, you give him whatever he wants because this is a front of the line starting pitcher who's going to be in Cy Young conversations for years to come. Now, if you want to get Shohei and Yamamoto, which the LA Times said the Dodgers are going to try to do, by all means, go for it. But the Dodgers need a starting pitcher that could be their number one guy. And Yamamoto, I think, is that guy. I completely agree with you. He's number two on my list as well. He's 25 years old. He can immediately become the Dodgers top pitcher. Even if you've got guys that are ready to go next year. If Clayton Kershaw was healthy at the start of next season, if Walker Bueller was healthy at the start of next season, if he's not number one, he is your number two pitcher already. He's that good. And he's 25 years old. Is there going to be a little bit of an adjustment coming over from Japan to play in the MLB? Of course there is. I'm absolutely there is. But we're talking about a guy who is being touted as coming out as being the single best pitcher to ever come out of a country that is known for producing baseball talent that produced Shohei Otani. This guy really is that good. And I absolutely think he needs to be if Shohei didn't exist. This guy would be number one on my list in every way out of anybody else. It wouldn't matter if the Dodgers starting rotation wasn't in shambles heading into the off season. He would be number one. So if you can't get Shohei, I think you absolutely have to go for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. In 2023, he had a 1.16 ERA. 24 starts, 171 innings, 0.86 whip, uh, 176 strikeouts, only 28 walks. He allowed two home runs all season, Josh. Two home runs. Unbelievable. 2022, 1.68 ERA, 193 innings, 205 strikeouts. 2021, 1.39 ERA. 206 strikeouts and 193 innings. Again, like you said, it's going to be an adjustment period. We'll have to see how he looks coming over here. But everyone is saying he's the best pitcher to come from Japan. And there have been some pretty good names that have come over. So if you're getting this guy again at the age of 25, you need that starting pitcher that's going to go game one for you. I think it's got to be Yamamoto. So hopefully the Dodgers get at least one of these two. Preferably both. If the Dodgers somehow, Josh, get Shohei and Yamamoto, what an offseason that'll be. So I think you said that was number two for you on your list. So I'll, I'll throw it over to you. What's the next thing you're doing uh, as GM of the Dodgers? 
look, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pitcher again. Um, again, I re- this is a player that I really wanted the Dodgers to go after at the deadline this year, but they weren't totally linked to him. Again, we saw you know the Lucas Giolitos, um, the the Rodriguez link was there from the Tigers too um, with Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, but this is a player that I would still love to see the Dodgers go after. And I mentioned him earlier. That's Jordan Montgomery. He's 30 years old. He just won the World Series. He's a lefty. Um, and he's been one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball since the 2021 season. You know, he's had 94 starts for three different teams. And he's logged a, a 348 ERA in that time. Um, and he was great. He was he was great. He was kind of slept on. I think yeah. on that Rangers staff with um with Evaldi and and Scherzer and and I just he is I think he's been one of the most consistent good reliable pitchers these last couple of seasons and I think there's no reason why the Dodgers shouldn't go after a guy like him because I just feel like this isn't a player that the Dodgers this isn't like a risk. This is, I think this is such a safe, reliable player that you can immediately slot in. Like this isn't going to be a project. Like the whole Lance Lynn thing was a value get. It was, Hey, he's going to give us good games. He's going to be a good starting pitcher for us, but we know he's going to give up home runs. It's when he gives them up and it's if the offense can answer. And again, going into the playoffs, it was fine. You know, for the most part, it was fine with Lance Lynn, but the playoffs is when it came back to bite you with Noah Syndergaard, it was like, okay, let's let him work with prior. It's going to be a little bit of a project, but it's a value deal. And it didn't work. This is not that. Like, I think that this is an immediate, safe, reliable guy that you can slot in. And if you don't get Yamamoto, I think you need to go out and get the next best starter out there. And I think somebody who gives a player like Blake Snell a run for his money in that category legitimately is Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, I mean, I, that's actually one of the ones I have on my list. I I have it. It's actually my number four, but I'm going to skip mm. over my number three because I do want to talk. I'll, I'll talk about this while we have it. And that is, again, assuming you get Yamamoto, even if you sign Yamamoto, I put here, get another reliable starter. Now, I put reliable starter because like you said, Josh, I don't want another one of these reclamation projects. I don't need another Lance Lynn. I don't need another Noah Syndergaard. I know Andrew Heaney, that one kind of worked a couple of years ago. He did get hurt a little. Tyler Anderson was a great find. I don't want these guys you're taking a risk on. I want a guy that's not necessarily a Blake Snell and Aaron Nola, but a guy that, like you said, a Jordan Montgomery, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a solid number two and number three starter. So I have Jordan Montgomery listed. I also have Sonny Gray, Marcus Mm -hmm. Stroman, and uh, Michael Walker. I think Jordan Montgomery's probably, maybe him or Sonny Gray, they're going to get maybe something like close to a million dollars. But if you can sign them to like a four or five year deal, something like that, I think that would be great again. So Sonny Gray, Marcus Stroman, Michael Walker, Jordan Montgomery, a guy that you could sign, you know what you're going to get. Again, you immediately put them as your number three starter for next season. They're going to give you innings. They're going to give you quality starts. And again, you're not risking it all by sending Noah Syndergaard and Lance Lynn out to the bound. So I think the Dodgers, again, it's not like a sexy signing, like a Blake Snell or an Aaron Nola, the two guys that are probably going to get close to $200 million, but a guy that you know is going to be a reliable option in that starting rotation. So one of those guys, Jordan Montgomery, again, he's in there. I'm fine with either. I'm going to throw in Sonny Gray as well. That's somebody else that I had on my list. He's 34. Um, he's He's had some up and down years, but he's been really good 
and and for what you could get him for probably. I think that would I think be a he was a Cy Young signing. finalist. I think they announced today. I yeah. think he was a Cy Young finalist. So yeah, and he, he's, he's pretty been, good. <laughs> yeah, he had you know his last couple of years. He's been kind of up and down a little bit, but he was terrific. Um, I think that I think that he would be an awesome addition for the Dodgers as well. And I actually didn't have Marcus Stroman on my list, but um, I think that, that would be really cool as well. Also, I think I just want to point out that Marcus Stroman would. It went, the second he put on the Dodgers uniform, he would immediately be the coolest person to have ever put on that uniform because he would look so sick. I just know that he would look so sick in Dodger blue. So would. Stroman would be sick. Yeah. So one of these guys, again, not a guy you're throwing 150 million at, but some quality arms, some quality arms the Dodgers could bring in. Josh, now this does kind of tie in. I'll, I'll go to my number three because like I said, that was my number four thing I had listed. And we're going to stay on the topic of starting pitching. So as the GM, I'm signed in Yamamoto. I'm also signed in Jordan Montgomery. But you know what else I'm doing, Josh? Hmm. I'm not having a I'm not having a free agency meeting with a with a player that we're going to talk about that's a free agent. Because I'm picking up my phone and I'm calling the Milwaukee Brewers and I am saying, What do you want for Corbin Burns? I'm not taking no for an answer. I am acquiring Corbin Burns wow. to be the number two or the number one to go with Yamamoto. And then you have Jordan Montgomery as the number three. There was a report You're in the LA Times. three starting pitchers. I'm getting three starting pitchers because the Dodgers need starting pitching badly. Because Walker Bueller, he's a question mark for next year. He could be good. He could also not be so great coming back from Tommy John. We know we saw in Bobby Miller. Is he going to take the next step? But then you have a lot of question marks with a lot of rookies. You need to build the stride and rotation. The LA Times said that the Dodgers are going to be interested in Corbin Burns. I believe Bob Nightingale also wrote an article saying that the Dodgers are expressing interest and that the Brewers might be leaning towards potentially trading him because I believe this is his final year under contract. I think he's a free agent next offseason. I want to say this is his final year of arbitration. So if you're the Brewers, you have one season left to Corbin Burns. Why not trade him? Why not get a solid haul in return? And if you're the Dodgers, you say, hey, we got guys like Miguel Vargas. Michael Bush, Josh, you know, cover your ears on that one. We got some young pitching prospects. Of course, there it is. <laughs> there it is right there. We got some young pitching prospects. Ryan Pepio, Emmett Sheehan. You know, all these guys you could choose from. Give us Corbin Burns. So so let me, let me ask you this. So if you are going out there and you are acquiring two starting pitchers via free agency and you are also going to make a trade for Corbin Burns, where do, where in terms of making an offer, for you, where does Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, where do those guys fall in for for the future, for their futures with the organization? Are those players that you consider adding into a deal to get Corbin Burns? I think Bobby Miller is the only untouchable, but Emmett Sheehan, I think he'd be on the table. I think Gavin Stone would be on the table. I think Ryan Pepe would be on the table. I think Kyle Hurt would be on the table. I think all those guys are in play, especially because, again, you're only getting potentially one season of Corbin Burns. The Brewers will probably get a decent haul, but for one year of control, it might not be a whole lot. So I think the Dodgers, honestly, they could say, we'll give you a Miguel Vargas, a Gavin Stone, and we'll call it a day. Because uh, I don't think his price is going to be astronomically high. I, 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 it could be, but if I'm the Dodgers, I'm calling, I'm seeing what I can do to get Corbin Burns. Because if you get Corbin Burns to be your game one starter, Yamamoto to be game two, Walker Buehler to be game three, Jordan Montgomery, Marcus Stroman to be game four, 
And then all of a sudden, Josh, Bobby Miller, who was the Dodgers' number one starter all season, he's your number five. That is a great position to be in if you're the Dodgers. And then you still have all the other options. You have Dustin May when he comes back from injury, Tony Gonsolin when he comes back, whatever rookies you don't trade. So if I'm the Dodgers, which I guess we are now, I'm calling the Brewers and I'm saying, what do you want for Corbin Burns? Let's make a deal happen. The only untouchable would be Bobby Miller. I'd say, he's ours. Don't touch him. Have at it. Take whoever you want. Enjoy them. So that's that's right. what I would do. Because that started in rotation, Josh. That started in rotation would be nasty. So That would be really that's, big. That's, that's what I'm doing. So that was a fun one, Josh. My next one is, it. it is spicy. It is hot. So I'm going to let you do another one before I make you have to go turn the AC on because it's it's going to get hot with how hot of a take this is. Okay. I think I'm going to be honest with you. I think there's, I don't know if this is going to be it, but I think, I think that there's another one. Look, I, we do the show together. I see your tweets, man. Like I know that there's a player on here that you're going to talk about. So I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but I'm going to throw out my next option. And that's Matt Chapman. Because Matt Chapman's on the list. He's on I my know list. He's, yep. And he's 31. He is a terrific third baseman. Um, he is a legit third baseman. And for those who don't know, I'm gonna spoil what your tweet said. And it was that it's a great move to get Max Muncie, but maybe it's time to put him back at second base, move Mookie back to the outfield, and put a guy like Matt Chapman potentially at third base for the Dodgers. And I couldn't agree more because this is a guy who has been terrific for the Blue Jays. His home run total dipped this past year. He only had 17 home runs in 2023, but his on base percentage was high. Um, he was fourth in the AL and doubles this year. Uh, he's a legitimate third baseman. And for me, this is one that doesn't totally hinge on whether you get Shohei Otani, but let's think about making this deal with the Dodgers not landing Shohei Otani. Not only do you have Max Muncie at second base, but you have Matt Chapman at third. Those are two big bats for your lineup. There is still another player who was on my list that I would like to see the Dodgers make a move for, which hinges specifically on, on Shohei, whether or not the Dodgers make a move for him. But this is a guy that if you need to give him a, a day off, we'll say in quotes, and he's going to DH, great. He can DH, and you can have him in the lineup, and you can put Muncie at third. Or Muncie can DH, Matt Chapman's at third. That's what I think this can do. It's another bat in your lineup. It's a good defensive player at third base. It's a legitimate third baseman. Not to say that Max Muncie isn't, but he can play a little bit of everywhere, and you can put Mookie back in the outfield, and you can really solidify your defensive alignment and also add another big bat to the lineup. So I would love to see the Dodgers go after Matt Chapman because I think that he fits beautifully into what the lineup could look like. And again, I will add on to this a little bit later with another player who I think has some similarities to Chapman, especially when it comes to the DH role. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Matt Chapman, and again, I, I wrote this the other day in my sub stack, whether or not you sign Shohei Otani, it still works because if you sign Shohei Otani, Matt Chapman's your third baseman, Max Muncy's your second baseman. If you don't sign Shohei, Max Chapman, or Matt Chapman is your third baseman, Max Muncy could be your DH. He could be your second baseman. He can do whatever. 
I, I saw a few different contract predictions. I did see one that had him at like five years for $100 million. So $20 million a year is very affordable. I did see a few contracts got up to $140 million. But this is a guy, Josh. Defensively, it, it, it's an insane upgrade because Max Muncy was defensively one of the worst, arguably the worst third baseman in all of baseball. Matt Chapman is a three-time Gold Glove winner. He's a two-time Platinum Gold Glove winner. He was announced as a finalist last week for another Gold Glove award. He's not quite the defender he once was, where he's arguably the best. He's still probably top five to top ten. But defensively, you're getting such a massive upgrade. And like you said, Josh, his, his home run numbers did take a bit of a hit this season. Only hit 17. And this is coming off seasons where he hit 36, 27, 27. But you said it, 39 doubles, which I think you said was fourth most in all of baseball. So he's an extra base hit machine, still had an OPS plus, a WRC plus of 110, which if you have a WRC plus of 110 in a down season, uh, you will gladly, gladly take that. And he also had a three and a half Fangraphs war, which was tied for the sixth most valuable third baseman in all of baseball. So you're upgrading the position. You're getting to extend your lineup with Max Muncy, and I don't think it'll be too, too expensive. So I like it, Josh. I like that we have this. I mean, we're on the same page here with a lot of these. We're taking our GM heads and we're just mushing them into one and really coming together with some of these amazing moves because I'm liking it so far. I'm liking that we're in agreement on a lot of these things. Yeah. He's an Inland Empire guy. He's from there Victorville. He went to Cal State Fullerton. Oh, he's um, from Victorville? Yeah. Josh, have you been to Victorville? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's hey, if anyone out there is from Victorville, hey, you guys have a Freddy's. Josh, have you ever been to Freddy's? Is that the, is that like a, the, like the ice cream place? Yeah, it's like the steak burger frozen custard place. Oh, yeah. Never Phenomenal. been. Phenomenal. There's by. one in Victorville. There's the, one in Victorville. The sign is like in cursive writing, right? Yeah. And it's got a yeah. big okay, custard. Yeah, I've thing. heard of it. But yeah, I, look, he's, th- to me, I'm not, not saying he's Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is one of the best players in baseball. Not saying that Chapman's not, but Freddie Freeman is unbelievable. For me, this is like a type of thing where it's like, I remember a couple of years ago when, the, when, when Freddie Freeman was available, people were like, well, what about the Dodgers? Like he'd, he'd be good on the Dodgers. Maybe there's a link. And immediately I was like, that's the guy. That's who I want with the Dodgers. Fits perfectly. Would be awesome on the team. That's Matt Chapman for me. I yeah. think the fit is there. You bring him in regardless of what you do with Shohei Otani. It, I think that does not impact this move at all. And again, if you do get Shohei, you would now at this point have Shohei Otani, Max Muncy, Matt Chapman, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. Who God, who else is on the team? Will Smith, James Outman. Matt Chapman is essentially becoming your number six or number seven hitter. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which is insane. I'm not saying it's a no brainer, but I'm saying for me, it's a perfect fit. It's perfect. fit, And it gives you, it gives you options, which is big. Yeah. And I I know the numbers were down for Chapman this year, hit 240. OPS is 755. If you look at the advanced numbers on baseball savant, 98th percentile and average exit velocity, 98th percentile in barrel percentage, 100 percentile in hard hit percentage, and 94 percentile in chase percentage. So he has a great eye at the plate. He's hitting the ball insanely hard. I mean, his expected batting average, his expected slugging, they were all really low, so he was just not getting the results. 
But if he turns things around, Josh, and you're getting the Matt Chapman from a few years ago with the Oakland A's that was hitting 36 homers, that was driving in 100 runs, that was finishing top five in MVP voting, if that's your number seven hitter, and again, you're, you're getting a massive upgrade defensively, uh, I, I didn't even think about this, Josh, until like the other day. When I saw the Max Muncy news, I was thinking, oh, okay. And then I kind of just was reading an article on Notable Free Agents. And I saw Matt Chapman. I'm thinking, huh, I really like this. I, I really like the fit. It's not going to cost too much money. You have him for the next four or five years. It makes your lineup that much deeper. And it just makes sense because outside of Muncy, Michael Bush is not the answer at third base. Maybe he's the answer at second base. Maybe he's the answer in a trade piece. The Dodgers don't have any future options at third base sure if they could trade for nolan arenado that's not going to happen so it really josh is do you want max muncie declining to third base for the next three years or do you get a guy that is going to be a goal glove finalist every year so i love the matt chapman move I, I think it's a great one hopefully the dodgers consider him all right josh the this this is time as my co-general manager i'm gonna have to uh ask your opinion on this if we should be pulling the trigger, if we should be picking up the phone and making this call. We're going to take a quick break. Oh when my we come gosh. back, we are going to get to my hot take. All right, Josh, we are back. An I have hour this. 11 in. An hour and like 11 in and Blake's like taking another break before this hot take. Full uh, American Idol move, man. Yeah, you know, you got to do it. You got to do it. So this is number five on my list of things to do. So it's not a top priority. But let's just say all these things come to fruition and we're having a great offseason so far. We're having a great offseason. Josh, I'm picking up the phone and I'm making a call. Would you like to take a guess as to which team I'm uh, giving a call to? Just, just take a guess as to who am I trying to acquire? The St. Louis Cardinals. Well, if we get Matt Chapman, no need to call the Cardinals. It's okay. a National League team. I'll tell you that. It's a National League team. Hmm. And it'd be a trade. It'd be a trade. Hmm. Maybe a team in the same division as the Dodgers. Oh, man. You're not calling the Padres, are you? I'm calling the Padres. Oh, God. I'm calling AJ exactly Preller. You're going too. And I'm saying, hey, AJ, I couldn't help but notice. I saw this the other day on social media that you had to take out a loan for $50 million. Man, you guys are really struggling financially. Oh, you want to get your payroll beneath $200 million for the 2024 season? Man, that, that's gonna take a lot of that's gonna take a lot of moves. Machado's under contract for like another decade. I don't want him. Xander Bogarts is under contract for another decade. I don't want him. Oh Hugh Darvish is old. I, I don't want him. What? Oh, so there's, there's a no guy. There's a guy that's making about 30 something million dollars next year. That's going to be free agent next off season that you can't afford to bring back and resign. Well, how about I do you the brotherly favor? I take his salary off your hands and you can reassess next offseason when you're under $200 million. Because I am trying to acquire Juan Soto from the San Diego Padres. Like I laid out, they need to cut payroll. They've, they've publicly said, we need to get below $200 million. 
Well, if they're if they're going to get under two hundred million, the only way to do that is if they trade Machado. If they trade Tatis, those aren't going to happen. So you got to trade Juan Soto. The Dodgers were in on Juan Soto a couple years ago at the deadline. The only reason they didn't get him was because the Padres massively overpaid. Now, granted, mm-hmm. I think we both agreed. If you're the Dodgers, you trade whatever you can to get Juan Soto. But if I'm the Padres, I can get a couple of the Dodgers' top prospects. I can recoup my farm just a little. Because let's face it, they need to be real with themselves. Juan Soto's walking next year. If they want to keep him for a potential playoff push, they can. But he's going to walk and you're going to get nothing. You save $30 million, you get under that $200 million number you want, get a couple of top prospects back in your system, and then use that money to spend somewhere else. So Josh... Not only am I signing Shohei Otani, not only am I signing Yamamoto, not only am I signing Matt Chapman and trading for Corbin Burns. After I do all this and everyone thinks I'm done, I'm striking and I'm bringing in Juan Soto, giving me a starting lineup of Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani, Juan Soto, Will Smith, Max Muncy, Matt Chapman, <laughs> James Outman, and Gavin Lux, giving me the greatest one Seemed through like nine. Way we've more ever than seen. nine players. That was way more than nine players. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing because the Dodgers can afford him for thirty billion for one year. And if you have no intention of bringing him back next year, so be it. You're getting one year with arguably the greatest lineup we've ever seen in baseball history, and I think it's worth the move. What does your outfield so what do you say? look like defensively? What, what well, are you, you put, doing? How are you, you structuring put, it? You put Juan Soto in left field and you just close your eyes, but he actually wasn't the worst left fielder in baseball this year. Center field, you have James Outman, and right field, you have Mookie Betts. Put him back in right field because you have Max Muncy at second base. Talk to me, co-GM. Talk to me. I don't... I don't love it, but... You don't hate it. But I definitely don't hate it. I definitely don't hate it. Okay. All right. I could... Okay. The only reason it won't happen is because Preller will just refuse to send him to the Dodgers. The Dodgers could say, we'll give you Bobby Miller. We'll give you Michael Bush. We'll give you Miguel Vargas. We'll give you Emmett Sheehan. We'll give you 10% of Frank McCourt's parking deal. And Preller would still probably say, nope. We're going to be a playoff team this year. We're going to be a World Series caliber team this year. If they believe that, if they believe they can re-sign him to a $500 million deal, which they cannot afford, hey, I'll, I'll let the Padres, I'll let Juan Soto go down with the ship. But I'm calling and I'm saying, this is your golden ticket. I can save you. I can help you. Let me help you. I just we'll think... See. With what... First of all, the decisions in San Diego these last couple years have been bad. Did you see what came out the other day about who they almost hired before Bob Melvin? I did not. Bruce Bochy. Preller met with Bruce Bochy before oh. choosing Bob Melvin. But that, but that's okay, Josh. I mean, Bruce, Be- Bruce Bochy retired. He just rode off yeah. into the sunset, right? He didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then he won the World Series. But then you look like the farm system. You know what this is like? This is almost, if you get this to work out, it's almost like that scene in draft day where he's like, I want my picks back. I want all of them. Yes. Where it's like, (laughs) hey, like 
you gave up everything to sign all these guys and to trade, make these trades and you go out and you get Snell and you re-sign Tatis and you've got Machado and then you've got all these, you got Bogarts and then you make the trades for Juan Soto and Josh Hader and, and, and all these guys and it just doesn't work out. And the farm system has been trashed and completely pillaged. It is a way for the Padres to get some of those options back and get some of those assets. I don't see it happening. And part of me also taking us and you out of the equation as GM, I do not see the Dodgers sending those guys to San Diego either. Yeah, that's that I think is I see that being the biggest issue rather than Preller and the Padres saying no thanks but to sending him to the Dodgers. Friedman just can't live with the idea of Michael Bush sending one 450 feet into the Crone Zone in San Diego. You know what's funny, though, is I thought thought you were going to say, let's go get Cronenworth. (laughs) That's what I thought you were going to say. Because remember last year, you you remember last year who you said the Dodgers should pick up? You remember that? Did I say Cronenworth at one point? No, you said Jurex oh. and Profar. Oh, God. Yeah. We were down bad then if that was the case. Yeah. So I would not. I, I thought you were going to say Cronenworth, who we've determined is just good against the Dodgers. Yeah. Just only the Dodgers. So he's Derek hey, Jeter defensively against the Dodgers, or at least he was in 2022. <laughs> I, I saw a thing a few weeks ago, Josh. It was from the Padres beat reporter for The Athletic. And he was doing like a mailbag kind of article. And he pretty much said, when the Padres board their plane, I think they're going to Seoul, Korea to play the Dodgers in that matchup. He said, when the Padres board that plane, the expectation is Juan Soto will not be on it. Now, I don't know if he is predicting that Juan Soto is going to have food poisoning, is going to stay back in the States. But... It, it everyone thinks that there's no way Juan Soto is on this team next year because again they, that's their only silver lining unless a team again picks up that Machado contract that Bogarts contract that Tatis contract those aren't happening this saves them 30 million to get under that tax so we'll see I, I think Juan Soto there's a chance he gets traded and again if I'm the Dodgers especially Josh I, I think more so if you do strike out on Shohei Otani if Shohei signs with the Mets, if he signs with the Rangers, if he signs with the Giants, I think that gives the Dodgers even more reasons to just go all in. You trade for Soto, and then next year when he's an offseason, or next next offseason when he's a free agent, then you say, we'll give you $450 million. Because this is still a guy... I, I don't know if this is a hot take, Josh. I'd rather have one Soto for the next decade over Shohei Otani. Just because, one, he's younger... I mean, he's, I think, five years younger, and I do think he's an overall better hitter. I know you're getting the pitching potentially with Shohei, but if I'm handing out $500 million, I, I think I might take Juan Soto, just because I know for the next 10 years I'm getting a hitter that might not even be in his prime yet. Whereas with Shohei, I might be getting a 30-year-old who's thrown his last pitch in Major League Baseball. So, again, if they if they strike out on Shohei, I think it gives them more reason to be more aggressive for Juan Soto. But that's just me, you know, again, having a hot take at the very end of my wish list because I'm a greedy man, Josh. I want it all. I know you do. Is that the end of yours? 
it's not the end. I did have number seven because I was like, I I could go for this. I don't think it happens. And I put sign Josh Hader just because I figured at this point, the Dodgers are spending so much money. You might as well just go and bring in a lockdown closer. And then you have him as your ninth inning guy. I do like the whole Evan Phillips thing being kind of like the Dodgers closer, but I still prefer the Dodgers using guys in different roles. I like Evan Phillips as a fireman kind of guy coming in for the sixth, the seventh, the eighth. So sign Josh Hader. He's the best closer in all of baseball. He's a free agent. He might be a little expensive, but I want a lockdown guy that I can count on in the ninth inning that deepens my bullpen even more. But that was just kind of like a throwaway, like, I'd be down, but it was just because, eh, again, I'm a greedy man. But I've got one more, and this okay. is definitely falling into the I'd be down category before we wrap the up. I'd be, the I'd be down category. This is the one that also... Um, falls into the um, if they don't sign Shohei Otani category. And that's, I'd be down for them to go out and get J.D. Martinez again. I, I figured that's Why where not? you were going to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, let's go back to the conversation we had last year when the Dodgers went out and got J.D. Martinez. The one-year deal, $10 million. Good deal, we said. Look, he's 30. He's going to be 35. But he's coming off a season where he led the AL in doubles. He only hit 16 home runs. He only had 62 RBIs. But he hit 274. Like, he was a good bat for a team that turned out to not be very good. You know, whatever. Well, he comes in to be the Dodgers' DH. Plays in 113 games, which is more than 20 fewer than he did a year before. He had 479 at-bats, well over 100 fewer than his year with the with Boston. And he hit 33 home runs. He doubled his home run output. He had 103 RBIs. He doubled his RBI output. And he hit 270 when he hit almost the exact same again. His OPS, higher. Slugging percentage, higher. On-base percentage was lower. That's okay. I don't really care about that one. OPS plus, significantly higher. Like, this guy at 35 was one of the best hitters in all of baseball last year. At 35 batting exclusively as the Dodgers designated hitter. If the Dodgers do not get Shohei Otani, I still think they should get Yamamoto as a pitcher. That's option number one. I still think they should go get Matt Chapman. I still think they should get Jordan Montgomery. But again, like we're talking about these position players that they can get like, like Chapman, like Shohei. If they don't get Shohei, I feel like JD Martinez is still, if not the best, one of the best designated hitter players like prospects, not an actual prospect, but a guy that you can potentially put in like of all of these DHs that you can kind of slot in. I feel like he's got to be your go-to because that's all he's going to do is hit as your DH. And why yeah. would you expect anything less than what he did this year, which was nothing short of an absolute steal for what the Dodgers signed him for. So yeah, it, we, absolutely, we I think they should go get J.D. Martinez again if they don't get Shohei Otani. I mean, we said that literally last year when they signed him, saying this is an absolute steal. Like, this is a, a bargain of a contract. And I agree, Josh. If if the Dodgers whiff on Shohei, I know a lot of people are like, how come the Dodgers didn't extend the qualifying offer to J.D. Martinez? Well, it's because Shohei's number one. But if you do strike out, I mean, J.D. Martinez is a, a pretty solid consolation prize. He is going to be a little more expensive next year than he was this year. You're not going to get him for $10 million again. But for $15 million for a one-year deal, I'll take it. I mean, Josh, like you said, 33 home runs, 103 RBIs, and he missed 50 games. 
Yeah. I crunched the numbers, and if J.D. Martinez would have played 162 games, he was on pace, Josh. Brace for this. For 47 home runs and 148 RBIs over the course of a full season. Like, 33 homers and 103 RBIs? That's a career year for 95% of players in all of baseball. He did that while playing in 50 fewer games. You're not expecting him to play in that many games. Yeah. But if let's just say that that pace continued, that would have led the team in both of those categories. Mookie led the team with 39 home runs and 107 RBIs. He would have led both. He would have led both. And And that's that's just if you play games. That's if he just played 20 more games. That means he's still missing 30 games. I mean, it's insane. And I think you said 35. He was 35 years old last year. Yeah. One of the best seasons of his career, which is (laughs) insane. So I'm with you, Josh. If if you strike out on Shohei, bring him back. They should really implement a second DH. Like if you want to have like, if you want to have like a second baseman, they just play defense, but your second baseman doesn't hit. You can have a second DH if you want. That should be a rule. You know, they do that in college softball. Interesting. Like, they have two two. It's not a designated hitter. It's a designated player. So, UCLA, for example, had a left fielder that I went to high school with. So, when I covered ASU softball when we were in college, and they would play UCLA, she would be the left fielder. But their pitcher, who's, oh, man, whose name I can't remember, uh, Rachel Garcia. She's unbelievable. Unbelievable was one of the best pitchers in the country, but she also hit. And most pitchers, not most, but a lot of them did hit. ASU at the time had a girl named G. Juarez, also awesome. Ended up transferring to Oklahoma. She didn't hit. Your standard, you have a designated player, designated hitter, it's a designated player, would bat for the pitcher. But for UCLA, Rachel Garcia would hit, and the left fielder would exclusively play left field and did not hit. Interesting, And... I, unless I'm wrong, and if so, that'll sound stupid, but I don't know of any level of baseball that does that, but college softball does. And I think that's very interesting because again, like different, like teams would comprise their lineup differently. Like if you had a pitcher who could hit, then they're in the lineup one day and your second baseman's not. But then the next day, if you start a different pitcher who can't hit, then you've got another DH again, right? Right. Super interesting. They could do that in baseball. I say, why not? And have Kershaw just go up and bunt. Just sit up there and lay some bunts down. I like it. Bring it over. Give me two DHs so we can get Shohei and J.D. Martinez. So, Josh, (laughs) I think our time as general managers is officially over. But After an hour and a half. (laughs) To recap, well, what started with, again, talking about Jake Gyllenhaal and Casey Blake's beard wraps up with us. In our, our master plan is GM of the Dodgers. So to recap, to those listening, to recap, as general manager of your Los Angeles Dodgers, I'm shining, signing Shohei Otani. I'm signing Yamamoto. I'm trading for Corbin Burns. I'm then signing the number three starter in Sunday Gray, Jordan Montgomery, Marcus Stroman. Then I proceed to trade for Juan Soto. Then I'm going to sign Matt Chapman to play third base. And then, as Sonny Weaver says, just because I feel like it, I'm going to sign Josh Hader. And the Dodgers are still going to get swept in the NLDS in 2024 when Shohei Otani goes 0 for 16 at the plate. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
So to recap for me, um, Shohei Otani is option number one. I'm right behind you with Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, number three, Matt Chapman. I think he fits brilliantly. Or no, sorry, number three, Jordan Montgomery. I think would be an awesome fit for the Dodgers. And since we're talking starting pitching, I'll also throw in Sonny Gray. I feel like that would be a great option as well. Then Matt Chapman for me. And if all of that works out, then I'm calling it. And we don't need J.D. Martinez. But if Shohei does not sign, I'm getting J.D. Martinez. Um, so at the end of this, we have no money. Parking is $100. <laughs> Hats are now 75 bucks, And a jersey is uh, however much your mortgage is. So if your mortgage is a lot, you have to bring in your statements. Show us how, it, how much it is. And the jersey will be matched. If you don't have a mortgage, however much is in your current bank account, um, plus what your rent is. We'll make if it you're happen. you a kid and you want a jersey, yeah. <laughs> but hey, the fans will love us. Oh, yeah. We'll, because we'll be winning. <laughs> we'll be winning a lot of games. So that was a fun one, Josh. One of the longest episodes to date. But again, it's what happens when you talk about random things for 15 minutes. And then you start the show. And then you go into your master plan of what you're doing as GM of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So free agency is officially open. So if the Dodgers wanted to make some of these signings, Josh, tomorrow when we wake up, Shohei could be a Dodger. Will he? Probably not. But technically, he could be. Could be. So maybe by the next time we record an episode, there might be some signings to talk about. If not, there's going to be a lot more rumors, I'm sure. There's going to be a lot more news, I'm sure. And uh, you want to stay tuned for that. So if you guys haven't done so yet, make sure to find us on social media. We're at, we're at Inside the Ravine, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You guys can also listen to the show wherever you get your podcast, whether that's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, our full shows are on YouTube. And of course, you can listen in the Odyssey app. Josh, any uh, final words as you've now uh, lost your job as GM and you're now one of the common folk, a uh, podcaster slash play-by-play guy? That's tough. That's tough. I uh, I think now that I've lost my job, I will go into hiding for a few years, come back out and release uh, an album called Reputation. And uh, then <laughs> in a few years time, I'll just since I missed a bunch of uh, concerts, I'll just put all of my albums on on one concert tour and make billions. Sounds like a, a pretty, pretty solid, solid plan. It's not a bad idea, right? Yeah. The thing is, is I'm not a very good singer, so. Well, that's that could be an issue then. Like, that that could be a problem for you. Yes. <laughs> well, as always, we appreciate everyone so much for tuning in. Again, make sure to give us a five-star review. If you can help support the show, we do appreciate that. And again, find us on whatever social media app you guys use. And stay tuned for more episodes all off-season long. A lot of Dodgers news, a lot of fun Dodger things to get to. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. I celebrate Christmas in early November, and you should too. As always, thank you guys so much for listening, and enjoy the rest of your week, wherever you may be.